What's up, Vikings fans? This is your newly signed defensive tackle, Michael Pierce. First and foremost, we got to set the tone for the game, set the tone for how things are supposed to be played. So I'll definitely say I'm an enforcer in that. He's a workhorse in the weight room. There's videos of him in, in college squatting, I don't know, 800 pounds or whatever it is, something crazy. So he's he's just one of those guys that workout where you can put him in the middle of defense, he gobbles up blockers, and then that allows linebackers to go and make plays. Hey, Vikings fans, this is Chris Corso here with episode 32 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We are doing this in a weird setting because of what's going on in this world right now. I am currently in my living room on a Skype call with producer Jay Nelson, the technical savant who was able to make this work out for us. Jay, I I can see you on my screen, but for those listening, we just want to thank you for making our podcast sound so good. There's a whole crew of people with uh, VEN at this point who have been going through a lot of hoops and hurdles to make sure that everything looks good and, and, and sounds as good as possible. And there's a lot of people out there, including guys like Jesse Marquette, who've been killing it. And one of the things that I think a lot of us feel very fortunate about is that the Vikings, we all work really, really well together. And between front office PR and, and everybody else within the organization, I think everybody's trying to do the best they can to bring the fans the most up-to-date information and the best content possible and, and make it sound and look as good as possible. So kudos to everybody who've been doing this on a short notice in an insane world at this point. And uh, we just want to make sure that everybody understands we're all thinking of you and we're all thinking about everybody who worked for the organization. So thank you everybody for all your efforts at this point. So if you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't want to hear about what's going on in the world. You want to hear about what's been a nice distraction from the world and that's been NFL free agency. So this will be a special edition where we talk about one specific player on the Minnesota Vikings that has been acquired by the team and that is Michael Pierce who will fill the void that Linval Joseph leaves in the middle of the Vikings defensive line before we get into everything and anything about him with someone who knows him just about as good as anybody that's a tease right there Jay we will uh talk about just what's been going on in free agency for the Vikings up to this point we're currently in the second wave of the free agency and Due to cap restrictions, the Vikings weren't able to really go crazy as in years past, but there were moves that have had to be made by the Vikings general manager Rick Spielman and head coach Mike Zimmer. There were also uh, a few additions, which were very nice, and Michael Pierce is one of those. So, Jay, if you want to give a little quick rundown before we get into this week's guest on the second wave of free agency, we've covered the first wave in some of the previous episodes with Cy Amundsen and Ben Lieber. Jay had the chance to speak to Pete Bursich last week to break down the Kirk Cousins contract extension and the Stefan Diggs uh, trade with the Buffalo Bills. So you've already heard about all that. We're talking about the second wave of free agency here. So Jay, just update the fans on what's been going on until this point. Sure. Yeah. So the list of transactions that I've got here for guys that we've signed at this point that are either reported or finalized our uh, center Brett Jones has been signed here again by the Vikings, as well as running back Amir Abdullah. Uh, Abdullah was an absolute stud on special teams last year, and he at this point is 
in that running back stable. So it's great to get somebody like him, who's as diverse as he is, back in the stable here for the Vikings. So that'll be great. Uh, wide receiver Tajay Sharp, who is coming from the Tennessee Titans. Chris, you had a uh, interview with him and, and uh, Mr. Adam Thielen, and that'll be released to the public here shortly. But it was good to get somebody like him in, and uh, I'm sure he and Thielen are going to end up turning into a pretty good tandem, as well as whatever potentially gets added here through the rest of free agency and the draft. Um, we also signed a D lineman, Anthony Zettel who had been uh, between the Lions, Browns, Bengals, and the the 49ers. Um, And he's a a Penn State product who was a 2016 sixth-round pick. It'll be interesting to see Zettel get in after his his experience here with the 49ers and the run that they made to the Super Bowl this past year. And then finally, DeMarquise Gates, linebacker who came from the XFL Houston Roughnecks. This guy, he's been around. He uh, went to school at Ole Miss, formerly from the Washington Redskins, the AAF, Memphis Express, and the Cleveland Browns. And it's going to be interesting for him. Think about it. He's been in three different football leagues at this point, and he still keeps getting chances. This guy's definitely showing up on tape. And so it'll be interesting to see once he gets into the Mike Zimmer defense what he's going to be able to show for this team. So as of now, those are the additions that we signed here in the second wave of free agency with the Vikings. And again, they're not going to keep, they're not going to stop at this point. They're going to keep going for free agency and all the way up through the draft. It's going to be really interesting to see who else they add to this Minnesota Vikings squad for the 2020 season. Yeah, Jay, you ta- you touched on an interview that we did here uh, via Skype with Adam Thielen and Tajay Sharp, the new Vikings wide receiver. You'll you'll hear that in a episode coming up, but it was really cool to be a part of those two meeting for the first time. We will also have a player profile episode on Tajay Sharp following that episode as well and with a Tennessee Titans team reporter who will give the insight on him but first let's hear about the biggest member of the Minnesota Vikings at this point I think he's like 340 pounds and he can lift a insane amount of weight I think there's videos of him deadlifting like over 800 pounds Um, Michael Pierce is going to be the nose tackle on Mike Zimmer's defense and and we really wanted to get someone who knows a lot about Michael Pierce. We, we did the interviews with Michael Pierce on Vikings.com. We heard about him from his mouth, but we wanted to get an observer to give us the, the lowdown on Michael Pierce, Jay. So yeah, special thanks to Garrett Downing here with the Ravens. He's the Ravens digital host. Uh, it seems like the two of you got along pretty well here and got really got into Michael Pierce's background and what he thinks he could potentially do here for this Viking squad moving forward and what his experience was like in Baltimore when he got his chance coming out of Samford in 2016. Garrett, thanks for joining us during this. I mean, I know it's a crazy time and you guys are, we were talking before the show, you're, you're doing a little bit of what we're doing when it comes to Skype interviews and, and uh, making your way through free agency. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all kind of figuring this thing out together and what it looks like and we're adjusting to working from home and, um, you know, I'm here at my guest room. I'm sure you're in a similar situation at, at your place. Yep. Uh, so, so we're all kind of figuring out uh, how this is going to go for at least a foreseeable future. Hopefully, not much longer than that. But uh, yeah, I mean, we were in Baltimore. We were certainly disappointed to see Michael go. But I felt like everyone within the Ravens and, and Ravens fans kind of felt like it was coming at the end of the season. 
when he did his final uh, interview in the locker room uh, after the playoff loss to the Tennessee Titans, it kind of felt like a farewell. You know, he was speaking about how he felt it was a great four years and he made lots of great, great friends and built lots of great relationships and how uh, he'll always value the fact that the Ravens took a chance on him as an undrafted, uh, as an undrafted prospect. And so it definitely felt like the writing was on the wall that he knew he was going to go elsewhere. Um, and, and, you know, that's not a, it's, I don't want it to seem like the Ravens weren't interested in, in having him. I think the Ravens certainly were, but a lot of times, and the Ravens have had this happen a number of times over the course of their history. Guy plays well for four years. You get great value out of him, especially as an undrafted rookie, which Michael was. And then the time comes for him to hit free agency and he gets a big contract elsewhere. Um, and, you know, the value for the Ravens to pay him, um, they're going to try to find another Michael Pierce, you know, next year. Um, but he's a great player. I think you guys are getting a really good, a really good guy, both on and off the field in the middle of your defense. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. He was an undraft guy coming out of college. The Vikings are very familiar with that, with guys like Adam Thielen on offense, Anthony Harris on defense, Eric Wilson's another player at linebacker who's been a big uh, contributor as a undrafted player. So what was sort of his pro- progression when he came in uh, to the Ravens program and how did he really establish himself on that that rush defense has been so good for the past five years for you guys yeah basically he comes in and limited opportunities early uh but he fairly quickly established himself as a rotational player of the defensive line and then as over the course of the last four years somebody that could go in there and be a spark plug just clog up holes i mean he's a massive guy you guys know that his nickname is a juggernaut He's one of the. We love that, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great nickname. It's one of his. uh, You know, he's he's a he's a workhorse in the weight room. There's videos of him in in college squatting. I don't know, 800 pounds or whatever it is, something crazy. And so he's he's just one of those guys that workout warrior. You can put him in the middle of defense. He gobbles up uh, blockers, and then that allows linebackers to go and make plays. You know, Michael's somebody, he, he doesn't necessarily make a ton of splash plays just because of the position that he plays. He'll get in there sometimes and get a couple of sacks, but he's not going to be a guy that gets eight sacks a season. He might get two, uh, but that's not his job. His job's not to go get eight sacks. It's to get a couple of them and then to clear, you know, clear the space for the linebackers to go and make plays, and that's what he does best. So, um, I, like I said, you know, over time, he was also next to Brandon Williams, who's a pro bowler, a really good player. Um, and that was good for the Ravens defense. When you had those two guys, it was like 800 pounds between them right there in the middle of the Ravens defense. It's tough to move. And I think that you'll find that he plays a similar role for you and does it really well. So the Baltimore Ravens finished in the top five rushing defense uh, in the past four out of the past five years, which Pierce had a big uh, contribution in that. Um, he says he models his game after B.J. Raji and then Vince Wilfork, who are obviously two players that Vikings fans are pretty familiar with. He also went on to tell us that um, he really looked at some film on Linval Joseph coming up, which is good for Vikings fans to hear. So who could you kind of uh, compare his game to just watching him over the past couple of years? It's a good question. Um, you know, I just think of he, he from a size standpoint, he's like 350, 340 pounds. He's, but he's not tall, you know, like, so he's a little bit different than a Vince Wilfork. Vince Wilfork was a bigger body. He was taller. Uh, he's wide, obviously, but Michael is more stout than Vince Wilfork is. He's more of a, a spark plug. Like he's a bowling ball in the middle of that defense. Um, 
he's pretty similar in size to, to Brandon Williams, who played next to him for, for several years uh, here in Baltimore. Um, and Brandon is also 330 pounds, not that tall, about six feet tall. And I think that their playing style is fairly similar. Michael's got a little bit more, uh, I think, a little bit more pass rush ability, some interior pass rush ability. Again, not eight sacks, you know, three sacks. Um, yep. But he can provide some interior pass rush. Um, you know, I think Linvel Joseph is a, is a fair comparison, too. I'm not sure how many sacks he had, but I don't think it was a huge number. Yeah, um, very similar. And so I think that that will be a pretty, pretty seamless transition from Joseph to Pierce in the middle of your defense. Looking at your defense, obviously you guys are in a 3-4, three defensive linemen, uh, four linebackers. We're a 4-3, but I don't know if you're familiar with the fact that we we added Dom Capers to our uh, defensive staff, who obviously is a big-time 3-4 guy. And Coach Zimmer has kind of talked about giving some different looks. He's always adapting his defense um, from that double-A gap blitz, which is really what um, is at the heart of his defense. So how do you think um, Pierce can fit in a 4-3 defense, and do you think that he could also help the Vikings with a uh, different look at a 3-4 type of defense? Yeah, so the Ravens do run a base 3-4 package, uh, but it's a bit of a misnomer that they are solely that type of defense. They're very much a multiple defense, um, and so they're giving lots of different looks uh, all, all the time. And so I, I think that I, I think that Pierce will transition just fine to whatever defense um, you end up running. Well, you know yep. whether it's your kind of standard four three or whether with the Capers addition, if that ends up being a little bit more multiple and ends up being a mixture of the two. I don't think that he will struggle in that sort of transition. You know, he played a couple different roles depending on injuries and what was needed. Um, you know, he could play nose uh, right all over the center. He could also play defensive tackle where he would be between the center and the guard, uh, depending on what was needed. You know, Brandon Williams is also in that mix for the Ravens. Uh, and both of those guys were fairly interchangeable. Um, but, but, you know, depending on if Brandon were to miss a few games because of injury, Pierce could slide around the middle of that defense, either go right over the center, go right over the guard um, and have some flexibility there. So I honestly don't think it'll be that a challenging transition. You know, I think if he were an outside linebacker that's now transitioning to playing a defensive end spot where you have to maybe play the run more than, you know, that player had done in a traditional three, four, that could be more of a challenge, but I don't think for Pierce, it's going to be any kind of an issue. You mentioned that he's a weightlifting uh, phenom. I, I just have to know, have you ever seen him in the weight room? Because there is some video of him squatting like 730 pounds, and um, we were able to find that and put it, put it on vikings.com, and the fans got a kick out of it. So can you give us a little firsthand experience in the uh, Ravens weight room? Yeah, I mean, the guy's a beast. <laughs> uh He's he's he is incredible uh, in in there, and it's always a bit of a debate. I think that you know we would often ask guys like who's the strongest guy on the team, and Pierce would his name would come up at or near the top of the list every single time we had that conversation. Uh, so you know a lot of these guys, as you know, you start trying to get specific, and they're like, oh well, I don't really you know try to max out, or I don't do I did that in college, but we don't really do that here. And so we would get that answer a lot when you try to get down to the nitty gritty and the specifics. Uh, but he is definitely somebody who will be one of the one of the beasts in the weight room. Like he puts in the work there, uh, and he's as strong as they come. He just is like his legs are are this big around, and he's uh, yeah. 
uh, he can throw some weight around and that helps him when he, when he, you know, gets out there on the field. The other thing too, that I think is important to mention with him is I, I mentioned the fact that he's an undrafted player, which as you know, a lot of times these undrafted guys, they wear that, like uh, it's a chip on the shoulder chip until on the, they, yep. yeah, for forever. I mean, it could be an undrafted player. Then all of a sudden 10 years later, they've signed multiple contracts and they're pro bowlers, but they still talk about the fact that they went undrafted. I think that that attitude has definitely kind of, you know, that, that embodies Pierce. Like he, he has that attitude where he remembers when he was not sure whether he was going to make a team or not make a team. And so he has a work ethic of, I need to prove myself every single day. Um, And I think that even though like some guys you wonder, how are they going to handle, they got a big contract. Are they going to change? Are they going to get lazy? I don't think that's going to be the case with him at all. He just has a, a strong work ethic that's kind of built in him. Uh, he wants to be he wants to be a really good player. And I think the weight room stuff is a component of that. And I think he'll just continue that mentality and that attitude uh, with you to Minnesota. Now, a big part of the success for the Vikings defense has been the performance of Eric Kendricks and what he's able to do um, leading the team in tackles pretty much every year that he's been here at middle linebacker. So a guy like Pierce, who's in the middle of the Vikings defense, uh, we sort of saw a down year from Eric Kendricks when Sheldon Richardson was in that spot because he was more of a pass rushing um, type defensive uh, tackle. So with him at the nose tackle position, how do you think he helps a guy like Eric Kendricks and even Anthony Barr at linebacker? Well, I just look, and, and I don't think this was the only, uh, <laughs> you know, CJ Mosley is a great player, uh, former linebacker for the Ravens who signed a huge contract for the New York the Jets. Jets. Yep. Um, but Mosley was a pro bowler four of his five years with the Ravens. Uh, gobbled up 80 to 120 tackles. It seemed like every single year. And there's no coincidence that he was playing behind Pierce and Brandon Williams. And that was a huge factor uh, in allowing him to go out there and make plays. Now, CJ is a great player in his own right. I'm not taking anything away from him. But when you got guys in front of you that are taking up blockers, that allows you to go make plays. And then this year, uh, Ravens actually had, they finished fourth in defense overall in the league. Uh, they Their inside linebacker position transitioned. CJ left and then they signed uh, two players off the street. Josh Bynes, who'd been out of the game uh, for the entire year, signed him week four, I believe, and then LJ Fort, who was released by uh, the Eagles. Both of those guys come in, basically step into starting roles and end up playing really well, and the Ravens' defense ends up being a top-four defense. So I say all of that just to say that that when you have players that can stop the run and gobble up blockers in the middle of the defense, that allows your linebackers to go and make plays. Uh, so I think that... that everyone benefits when you can, when you make a offense be one dimensional um, and Pierce is somebody who is really good at helping in that area. Now we've talked about a lot of his uh, play on the field, but I want to ask you about his personality because it's really something that shined through on the introductory uh, conference call with the twin cities media. I mean, he was really, I mean, he addressed the coronavirus like right away and the way he just um, was able to capture um, the group of the of the media, it was it was very impressive, and it definitely seems like he has a good head on his shoulders. Yeah, he does. He's smart. Uh, he's sharp. Uh, he's aware. He's astute. Um, he'll be great in the locker room if you're looking for interviews and you need you know somebody to provide some good insight. He's honest. Uh, I just think he's you know he was one of I'm sure if if you've had him on your show or, or if you're going to 
he'll be a great guest on the show. He's got some he's got some comedy. You know, he can bring a little bit of uh, some comedic chops. So he was always like very well liked in the locker room, both by players and media. It was not. I think that a lot of people looked at him as just a good guy. Like everyone just kind of felt like he was a good a good guy, humble upbringing. Uh, again, the undrafted thing, and then ends up making his way, and people were happy to see him succeed. So, I think from like from my personal perspective, I was disappointed that he left, but I, I wasn't surprised because, like I mentioned earlier, I think that it was kind of, the writing was on the wall. And then when you see what the Ravens did in free agency, where they traded for Clayus Campbell and they reportedly signed Michael Brockers, they were going in a different direction on the defensive line. And so, um, it's no, it comes as no surprise uh, that he moved on. But you know, I, he was one of the guys that I liked. And I think that, like I mentioned, that end of season press conference in the locker room or at end of season media scrum. And after that, a number of reporters went up to him and shook his hand and just said, it's been a pleasure covering you for the last four years. Um, and he was he was really gracious with all that. And I think that kind of speaks to who he is and the type of person he is and the way he conducts himself in the locker room. Some guys, you know, reporters like I, you know. I'd rather this guy be gone. <laughs> you know, uh, that is not the case with him. He was very well respected and very well liked. That was something I noticed immediately when he uh, when we saw the the name on Twitter. It's not one that you go, oh, Michael Pierce. He's a, a huge uh, household name at at the nose tackle position, and then you start seeing all these reporters from the Baltimore area just showing love and saying what a good guy he is and what a valuable piece he was to the to the Ravens defense the past couple of years. He also when you look at some of the advanced analytics and the PFF stuff over the past few years, he's somebody that has graded out really well in that regard too. So some of the, some of the stats nerds and the analytics people that really dive into that, um, he's had some great seasons in his career from that standpoint as well. And we won't keep you for too much longer, but we've, we've talked all about the run stopping and all, all that. What are some, I, I, I hate when players are pegged just as one thing, um, that kind of happened with a player like Brian O'Neill, who was pegged as a developmental type tackle for us out of the draft, and he ends up being our one of our best performers on the offensive line. So a player like this who's pegged as a run stopper, what are some other things that he can do, Michael Pierce, on the defensive side of the ball? I mentioned that he's got a little bit of pass rush, but again, it's it's not it's not a ton. Um, I think that to be honest, I think that his what he's going to do is stop the run. Like I just think that he's going to gobble up blockers, uh, even if he's not making tackles. Like his job is to go in there and get double team, to take on double teams, to to be a create havoc in the middle of a defense. Like I just don't think that you're going to see huge stats out of him. Like when the season's over, he might have two sacks, one forced fumble and 30 tackles you know and it's like okay was that a great season or what or not well the coaches will tell you that 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 there's a lot more that goes into it than what meets the eye i think he's one of those classic players where if you talk to one of your defensive coaches they'll tell you uh that this guy does a lot more than what the stat sheet shows and it's the dirty work and there needs to be somebody that's willing to do the dirty work and, and pierce has no problem with that 
I think you just listed all the characteristics of Mike Zimmer's like ideal player um, in the middle of the defensive line because he calls them team sacks here. And when people throw all the numbers out about Daniil Hunter um, and Everson Griffin in his time here about all the sack numbers, he goes, no, those aren't his sacks. Those are guys like Shamar Steffen in the middle of the defensive line and uh, Jaleel Johnson, who's had a bigger role as of late. So um, it sounds like he might be the perfect guy for a Mike Zimmer defense. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, obviously, Raiders fans are familiar with uh, Mike Zimmer's defense, not just from Minnesota, but from when he was in Cincinnati for all those years. And his defense gave the Ravens fits during that time. And the, and the Bengals really, especially when he was there, seemed to have the Ravens number, uh, played him tougher than probably anybody in, on a consistent basis. So I think that he'll be a great fit there um, in that defense. Again, I don't think the scheme piece is that important? Three, four, four, three. What does that look like? Where do you line up? Is it over the over the center? Is it over the guard? Is it between them? I think Pierce will be fine in that regard, um, and he'll just be a guy that's willing to, to kind of get in the trenches, do the dirty work, and allow the guys around him to make plays. Well, we really appreciate the insight. Um, obviously, you guys over in Baltimore have had a crazy off season. Uh, you mentioned Clay's Campbell and Michael Brocker, so. I mean, I, I definitely have to ask you about what's going on there in Baltimore. You guys obviously have a very uh, competitive team who was, I mean, led by Lamar Jackson, of course. Yeah, I think a clear priority at the start of free agency was to shore up the defensive front. Um, and so that's where, you know, those moves come into play. The Ravens also put the franchise tag on their outside linebacker, Matthew Judon, really good pass rusher, had nine and a half sacks last year. Um, so I think that the Ravens wanted to kind of address some things uh you know they needed a little bit more pass rush so so that's why where a guy like campbell uh comes in and can get after the passer more than the ravens have been able to do from an interior pass rush standpoint um and so so that's what they they wanted to get a little bit more in the pass rush department um but i mean the expectation for the ravens is that they're going to be a good team next year um they went 14 and 2 and lost in the first round of the playoffs so the next step for them is to get over the hump um, for Lamar Jackson to win a playoff game. So, you know, they're going to have that as a focus. Um, but, yeah, the expectation is is to be a really good team again next year, compete to win the division. Um, and then I know that Lamar and the rest, of the, this guy, the rest of the guys on this team are focused and committed to getting that monkey off their back, so to speak, and, and winning a few games in the playoffs. Yeah, last one for me, and I just asked this as a general football fan, and obviously our Vikings fans are, are pretty big football fans as well, but what do you expect from Lamar Jackson? I mean, on a level where uh, he played last year is just something that we haven't seen in the league. I mean, we even had guys like Kirk Cousins uh, shouting him out and saying he's going to win the MVP uh, pretty early in the season last year. So um, what are your expectations for Lamar? I'm sure Vikings fans would like to hear that. He's incredible. He the things that he does on a weekly basis, I've never been in a press box where I've heard people audibly say, wow, as many times as I did last year. I think about that game in Cincinnati where he had the spin move that everyone saw a million times on yep. ESPN or NFL Network. And there was almost laughter in the press box because people were just shocked that that actually happened in an NFL game. It's the type of thing you see when you pull up someone's YouTube video from high school and they make everyone look silly, but this is grown men on an NFL field that he was able to do that too. So he is just an incredible player. I, I would expect more of the same. I, you know, it's hard to say that he's going to be as productive 
But every time you start to doubt the guy, he kind of raises the bar. I thought, you know, he had around 3,100 passing yards last year, 1,100 rushing yards. I don't see any reason why that couldn't be in that in that same ballpark. I think that over the course of his career, you know, the pendulum is probably going to shift a little bit more towards passing than running. But the Ravens and Lamar, I, I don't think you should ever take away that running ability because it's so unique. Uh, so I think the Ravens are going to try to add some more weapons on the passing game through the draft, and that'll probably help in that department. Um, look, it's hard to predict for the guy to to match the performance that he had in MVP season. Like, I recognize that. Uh, but I I think that there's no reason to think that he should do that. Like, he, yeah. I think that, in my mind, I don't know why, like, I don't know what's changed to think that he wouldn't be able to do those things. And the league's trying to figure him out. Um, I, I think that the, the suggestion that, um, you know, last year we heard it in Baltimore all the time, you know, can teams just figure it out? Well, with enough tape, teams are going to figure him out. It's kind of like, uh, you know, in baseball, once a guy gets the lineup a couple times, um, all of a sudden things start to change and the pitcher starts getting, you know, beat up because he's everyone's seen him. I don't think that's the case, Lamar. I don't know, like, what the magic fix is because he can just do things on a football field that nobody else can do. So yep. um, I think that he is once again going to be a great player in the mix for an MVP conversation. And as long as he stays healthy, uh, I think the Ravens are going to be right back there in the mix as one of the best teams in the AFC. Yeah, this is the player profile on Michael Pierce. But when you when you have the Ravens team reporter here, you got to ask him about Lamar Jackson. That's for sure. So no, yeah. I don't blame anybody for that. Yep. And but yeah, we definitely appreciate your time. I know it's a crazy time, uh, it, not only in the NFL but in the world. And uh, just being able to talk about some of this free agency stuff has definitely helped us here. Uh, with the Vikings to kind of turn away from uh, a little bit of what's going on out there. So we really appreciate your time, and um, thank you for joining the Minnesota Vikings podcast. And um, definitely all you Vikings fans who want to check out what's going on with the purple team in the AFC, um, check out Garrett Downing's stuff on, on Ravens.com. And, um, yeah, we definitely appreciate you uh, joining the show. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, let me, Michael Noah said uh, congratulations on the new deal. All right, well, thanks to Garrett Downing for joining the show. I think he's a friend of the Minnesota Vikings, not only for wearing purple in the AFC, but our PR staff has had some good times with uh, Garrett over at the uh, Senior Bowl as well as the Pro Bowl. I got a few messages after the interview from them, which was awesome. But I really want to dive into Michael Pierce a little bit more with you, Jay. And, And one of my biggest takeaways from this interview as someone who knows him personally, because even when we tweeted this video out from the Vikings team account, uh, Michael Pierce like shouted out Garrett and said, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hope all is well. So these are two guys who obviously have a good relationship. So, But what stood out to me was that Garrett really wanted to touch on the fact that Michael Pierce is an undrafted player. And that chip, that chip on his shoulder started right from the beginning, kind of like a lot of the players on the Vikings roster. I'm just going to go off of some of his base level stuff. So like you had mentioned before, and I somewhat touched on it here, just going, you know, as a guy who was undrafted coming out of Samford, he's 27 years old. He's six foot, 340 plus pounds. He is an absolute weight room beast. His nickname is the Juggernaut, which I'm sure was a playoff of the X-Men. But the thing that's going to be interesting to see is how his style changes moving forward. So yeah, you normally don't just replace a Linval Joseph, especially with the salary cap situation that the Vikings are in. So I think this is about the best possible move because I even touched on this in the interview. 
I said, Garrett, th- this is a guy when I saw the name that the Vikings were signing, I didn't, I hadn't heard of his name. We, you don't know, like he doesn't have eight to 10 sacks at the defensive uh, tackle position. He's a two sack, uh, one and a half, three sack guy who does the dirty work. And the biggest thing for me is Coach Zimmer loves those guys. And he doesn't look at Daniil Hunter's sacks and say, those are Daniil Hunter's sacks. Those are team sacks. And I think the only way for a guy like Eric Kendricks, linebacker who just consistently racks up the total tackles for the Vikings defense, gets um, to the backfield is with a guy like Michael Pierce um, in the middle of the defense. The last thing I want to touch on um, on Michael Pierce is the – scheme fit for him in the Vikings defense and it's very interesting because um, the Baltimore Ravens are a 3-4 defense um, three defensive linemen and four linebackers they do do some uh, some other looks as well as Garrett touched on but um, for Garrett to say that he's going to fit just fine in the Vikings 4-3 defense um, was awesome to hear because it's it's definitely something that you're going to have to um, adjust because it's a totally different scheme, but Mike Zimmer might have something up his sleeve here, because if you remember, and as we touched on in this interview, we were able to acquire Dom Capers, a probably the most legendary 3-4 mind in the history of the NFL Football League, and then you get the anchor of the top five uh, rushing defense the past five seasons in the NFL, and that's Michael Pierce. And it seems like you're you're not just making these moves not knowing what you're doing. So there might be another wrinkle that you might see uh, on the Vikings defense where Anthony Barr might be rushing the quarterback from the outside linebacker position. So, um, Jay, I want to hear your reaction on that because my mind has been racing about um, this pair that we've added to the Vikings defense from a coaching side and from the player side while losing a Linval Joseph. Yeah, and the thing is, is if you think about it, I know uh, last week's episode, Pete Bursich touched on this, and he was absolutely right in my opinion. You get a guy like Michael Pierce who comes out as undrafted and has had to earn it from the very beginning, and he earned it on a defensive front for the Baltimore Ravens, which is not an easy thing to do. You know, Somebody like Michael is going to know how to put his hard hat on and work every single day in order to keep his spot and to not be complacent. And you look at guys in the past, your John Randalls, your Adam Thielens, those are the kind of guys that make it in this league because they know how to bring it every single day. And as we talked about in last week's episode, the thing about it is this is exactly what Spielman and Zimmer talk about every single time they talk about wanting to draft a player is to say, is this a football guy? Do they know how to work? And is it somebody who's going to fit in our scheme? If you bring in somebody like Michael Pierce, who's proven it for the last four years, you know you don't have to worry about him showing up and doing things the right way. So I think Michael being added to this defense, if he's going to be a tone setter, whether it's physically or even vocally, that's going to be awesome for this defense. And he walks into a very strong group with a lot of great personalities and big name guys who've been in the system who are going to be able to help get him up to speed and then rely on him to do his job so that they can do their job on the back end of the defense. Not to be super positive, uh, happy here, but I think that's the biggest misconception about Mike Zimmer um, as a coach. Because a lot of people think, oh, he's the old stubborn Vikings head coach who has his double-A gap blitz and that's it. 
Uh, I don't think so. He's made a lot of adjustments, including adjustments with the defensive backs when they were struggling at the first half of last season. Um, and he's always looking for new wrinkles to add to his defense, and that's what you need to do to be a good uh, NFL head coach. So, um, And to bring the negative side of it in, uh, the Vikings' rushing defense was not that great in the game against the San Francisco 49ers, clearly, and that was something that Mike Zimmer said in the offseason that he was going to focus on repairing. So why not bring in the anchor of one of the top rushing defenses um, in his total career with the Baltimore Ravens and all the undrafted chip on your shoulder stuff is just adding to it. So um, this was your player profile on Michael Pearson. We hope you learned a little bit about him as a player because you're going to be seeing a lot of him in the next couple of years with the Minnesota Vikings. So thank you, Jay. Um, it's been a pleasure to continue to bring you, you guys uh, all this content from our homes and our living rooms. So, um, and Jay Nelson plays a big part in that, as well as a bunch of other producers at the Vikings Entertainment Network. So um, thank you, Jay, and we will uh, see you guys next week. I think we're going to have some some good guests, whether it's uh, Tajay Sharp, Adam Thielen, or somebody from the Tennessee Titans media. So stay tuned for that, and we'll see you next time.